Welcome to Roadside, where we talk about the fascinating and sometimes disturbing history behind roadside attractions and unique destinations. Hello! Hello! Hello, and welcome to another episode of Roadside. I am Abigail. I am Janica. And here we are. Here we, we are. are back again with another episode. Episode 30. 30? 30! 30. Oh my god. <laughs> Since when have we done 30 episodes? I know. That's really weird. I don't yeah. like it. It's weird. I mean, you I do like it. You don't? I do like it. Okay. I do like it. Trust me. But <laughs> it's weird. Yeah. It's a lot. It's weird to feel like we've had 30 episodes. You no, know, it is. How are you? Oh, I'm good. I saw your progress on your backyard. Oh, yes, it's almost there. I ordered rock today. Good. I'm excited to see the finished product. Thank you. For um, our listeners that don't follow me on TikTok or haven't heard, I'm completing a paver walkway in the backyard. Woohoo! All by herself. Yes. It's taking quite a long time to get it done, but it's almost there. It's going to look good, though. Very happy. Yes. It's already looking good. Thank you. You're welcome. Yes, very exciting. Yep. My exciting news is that my cats are getting along better now. Good. Still not great. Really good. There's still some hissing going on, but they can be in the same room together now, which is great. That is good. Making progress. (laughs) Big progress from when we started, and any time they would see each other, they would just go crazy. Yeah. Um, other than that, nothing. Nothing? Okay. Nothing. Pretty much same old, same old, unpacking still, and working all the time, of course. Yeah. Yeah. But that's about it. Nothing crazy. Okay, so this episode, I've had on my list for a while. Okay. This is going to include the story that got me fascinated with true crime. Oh. At the age of like 13 or 14. I don't think I know this. I don't know if you do or not. I don't think I do. So my mom, grandma, Mm -hmm. had this book called Blind Faith. Okay. And it's by Joe McGinnis. Uh, Like I said, I was like 13 or 14 at the time. So this house that we lived in, in the basement was my parents' room, but it was open. So there wasn't like a a door to their room. It was just all open with their bedroom, a bathroom, and then an office area, which was just a desk with the computer set up. Right. And then the laundry room too. But because like that's where the laundry room was and that's where the off office area was and Mm -hmm. as I mentioned in a previous episode I was on BBS's which is um like chat rooms essentially yeah uh back in the good old days of back in the good old days black and green computer screens yep anyway so I would I was down there a lot because I'd be down there for the computer or doing laundry or whatever right uh so one day I found this book down there and I don't I can picture it like sitting on a table or desk or whatever but it had this big rose across the front of it and it said blind faith okay so I read the jacket cover and I was like oh this sounds interesting interesting yeah (laughs) so I borrowed the book like I thought I was going to get in trouble because I was 13 (laughs) or 14 and I was reading this true crime book 
But I recently was telling grandma about it and she's like, I don't even remember that book. (laughs) (laughs) But this has always stuck with me because it was my very first insight into what's really happens in the the world world, of true crime. Yeah, (laughs) exactly. Yes. But when I started studying it, I found out there was something else kind of fascinating about it. So we'll get into it. I am excited to hear about it. Yeah. Tell me everything. By the way, I did go back and re-listen, listened to the book now on Audible because I don't have the book anymore. Yeah. And it had been 30 years. I mean, just about, you know, about that showing my age now. But anyway, (laughs) Uh, so I had to go listen to it on Audible. So I just had to throw that out there. It is on Audible. If anybody wants to go listen to it, Blind Faith by Joe McGinnis. And you can get a free 30 day trial if you don't already have it by going to audibletrial.com slash roadside. Whoop, whoop. Yay. All right. All right. Now, I will tell you the book. In the beginning of the book, the author does say that it is some parts have been like, I guess, recreated depending on what people have said. Right. So it's kind of it's kind of told parts of it are kind of told in a narrative of a novel, mm-hmm. even though it's more of a I don't it's know, a nonfiction stuff. type. Yeah. Yeah. So and then he changed a bunch of names which was really confusing to me when I went then to go study it. Um, right. But a lot of the, like, there's so many names in this. I'm not throwing all those names out to you. I'll throw some names out, but it just got kind of overwhelming. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, when you got a whole story with two different sets of names, you got to figure out who's actually who. Yes. Yeah. I am also going to link the website that I got most of. So I'm going to link the book, but I'm also going to link the website that I got most of the information from. Okay. As well as a couple other ones just for... Just for reference. Just for reference. Yep. Okay. Mm -hmm. Let me get back to my spots. Okay. So in New Jersey, this is in New Jersey. Okay. New Jersey. The location is called the Oyster Creek Picnic Area. Okay. In 1947, the Garden State Parkway was built. Um, It's a toll road that runs north and south along the entire eastern length of New Jersey. Okay. And it's 172 miles long, the New Jersey portion of it is. Okay. As part of this project, they put in 10 picnic areas, and they were constructed over the span of 15 years. And this was for, it's kind of like the rest stops rest areas nowadays Mm -hmm. um but it was more of like a park-like setting and there was picnic tables and grills and restrooms and like heavily wooded areas um just to give you like a nice a nice little nice little break when you're going on long trips and yeah need somewhere to stop to go to the bathroom yeah it just is not these weren't built as like large and as they were, as they are today. Right. There's little small little areas. Yeah. Okay. So there's not a whole lot to say about the Oyster Park picnic area itself, but we're just going to jump right into the true crime history. I, that's my favorite part. Area. Okay. I'm ready. So just after midnight 
on September 7th, 1984. So we're going back a while. A little bit. Robert Marshall, 44, and his wife Maria, 42, were on their way home from a night at the casinos in Atlantic City. Okay. So they lived in Tom's River, which is a very, like, fancy place to live. Oh, okay. All the very wealthy people lived in Tom's uh-huh. River. All the rich people with their rich, fancy houses. Yes. So their house was about an hour north of Atlantic City. Okay. So about an hour drive. No, not crazy. Yeah. They had to drive an hour uh, to their to their house from Atlantic mm-hmm. City along this golden, uh, what did they call it? Along the Garden State Parkway. <laughs> the road we just talked about. Yeah, yeah that one. Before... I jump into that. I just want to give you a little bit of background into Rob and Maria's lifestyle. As I said, Tom's River is like very high class area to live. Fancy schmancy people. Yes. So at this point, they had been married for 20 years. They met when he was 16 and he was in a band and she was 15 and she had like come to see this band. Oh, that's so cute. Cute. And they had three boys. Okay. And at this point, their boys were Robbie, who was 19, Chris was 17, and their youngest, John, was 13. Okay. Uh, Rob was a successful insurance salesman, and Maria had stayed home with the three boys. They were very involved in the community, involved in the church. Uh, They were both members of the local country club, and they were very well known and very liked among all of their peers. Okay, good. Yeah. So they were quite wealthy and they had worked for it. Like they weren't what I read. Like they worked for it their whole life to get to where they were. Okay. Yeah. They had a vacation condo in Florida. They had a boat. Fancy. They had expensive cars. You know what this makes me think of? What? This makes me think of Emily Gilmore and her husband. Oh, yeah. I don't remember what his name was. What was his name? Richard? Oh, I think it was Richard. I think it was Richard. Yes. It makes me think of them like he's an insurance salesman. I think the, I think the actor's name rich. was Ed. Yeah. Okay. Yep. And they've got their, their big fancy house and their country club. Yes. <laughs> yeah. You're right. Yes. So in fact, not only did they have expensive cars, but they had given their 19-year-old Robbie a yellow mm-hmm. Mustang. Ooh, fancy. Chris, like I said, was 17, had a Jeep. Oh. And their youngest had already been promised a Porsche when he started driving. Damn. Yes. I so. had I had a 2003 Chevy Classic. It was gold. It wasn't this was before it was even called the Impala. This is when it was still called the Classic. And I had a 1983 Cadillac Cimarron, which was the smallest Cadillac ever made. And the only reason I had a Cadillac was because it was totaled. Oh, geez. And my dad, Papa, did auto body. So he bought the yep. bought the salvage car and redid it for me. Fixed it up. And it broke down a lot. But, you know, I loved it. That's okay. <laughs> we all loved our first cars. That's right. Loved my Errol was his name oh that's right i never named my first one maybe that was the problem (laughs) maybe maybe it was just sad it didn't have a name maybe that's why it broke down a lot yeah anyways 
by all accounts, even though they were super wealthy, it was said like great family. The boys were all very kind. They were smart. They had very good relationships with their mother, like close family. Yes. Yeah. You always hear about families that are super rich and their kids and them are just so snobby and right. You know, so for everything that I read, that was not the case here. Good. Maria was always said to be very well put together, high fashion. Rob was said to that he adored his wife and he often referred to her as the beautiful Maria. Oh, that's cute. Yeah. That's very sweet. So we'll go back to their drive. Okay. They're driving home uh, from the casinos on September 7th, little after midnight, as I said. And they're only about 10 to 15 minutes from their house is where the Oyster Creek picnic area is. Okay. So Rob said he felt the car vibrate and he mm. pulled over to check the tires. Okay. He got out and he found that the right rear tire, which is the rear tire behind the passenger. Right. He saw that it was flat, so he bent down to look at it. And when he did that, he was struck over the head and knocked Ooh. unconscious. Yikes. That's not good. Yeah. When Rob came to, he found that their winnings from the casino, which was about $15,000. Holy shit, for one. Yeah. That's a lot. Had been stolen. Of course. And Maria had been shot twice in the back. <gasps> no. Yeah. Maria. So he tried to wake her, but it was too late. Oh. So he ran up to the highway, because there's no cell phones here in 84, and flagged down a passing car to get help. Okay. So Rob was taken to the hospital where he received five stitches for his wound and Mm -hmm. was then released. And he had to go home and tell his three boys that their mother had been killed. Oh, God, that's so sad. Yeah. And they just stopped because they had a flat tire. Yeah. So Bob Gladstone, he was the lieutenant in charge of the investigation. Mm -hmm. At the scene, he noted that Maria had been shot in the back twice. He said it looked like she had been asleep because she was kind of like slumped over. Mm -hmm. He also noticed that the tire had been slashed. It wasn't just going flat. But they'd already been driving for like 50 minutes. Right. So he in fact noticed that it had to have been slashed In the picnic area, because there had been no signs of driving on this flat tire for so long. Huh? And since it was a robbery, he wondered, why did Maria have all her rings and bracelets and necklaces and jewelry Mm. still on? Interesting. And more importantly, why had Rob only been hit over the head, but Maria was shot? Yeah. Yeah. I was wondering that. So, through Gladstone's investigation, there are some other things that he has discovered. Okay. In December of 1983, so 10 months prior to this incident, okay. Maria had hired a private investigator. Ooh, things are getting spicy. <laughs> things are definitely getting spicy. She had started to notice that a lot of money was missing. Mm. It's always the but money. Their finance were in a lot of trouble, and Rob seemed to be going through the money very fast. She also suspected of him of cheating. Ugh. God, Rob. I know. Keep it in your pants. Right? 
So the private investigator confirmed that, yes, he was cheating. And he had been spending a lot of the money on the mistress Mm. as well as gambling. Mm. I was thinking gambling because they were just in Atlantic City. Yeah. And they apparently went to Atlantic City a lot, like as a couple. Like it was often Uh they'd go to dinner, they'd go gambling for a little bit. It was like a nice night out. Yeah. But. But he started going out by himself. Alone in like the eight months before this, he had made 25 trips to the casino. That's a lot, buddy. That's a lot. That is a lot. And his bets were over $100 on average Mm -hmm. every time. Mm -hmm. In total, he pretty much always lost and ended up owing the casino $3,000 at this point. Dude. That's about $9,000 today. Dude, that's just stupid for one. You're already one of like a super rich guy. Yeah. Why are you just going to throw it away? For funsies, there's plenty of other games that you can play where you don't risk all your money. All right. And, you know, your whole family's well-being. Also, don't cheat on your beautiful Maria, huh? Right. What right? the fuck happened to that? What happened to your beautiful Maria? Now there's some yeah. other beautiful lady. Just always goes to show what's on the Men surface suck. is never... Well, that's mm-hmm. <laughs> What's on the surface is never what's really going on behind the scenes. There's always something going on. Yep. Yes. Additionally, to cover up all of this spending, Rob took out a $100,000 home equity loan on the house and forged Maria's signature on it. Ooh. Mm Mm-hmm. That's against the law. It is. You're right. Go to jail, buddy. He then added an additional $30,000 to that loan. Holy shit. Yeah. This man had a serious problem. Serious. In April of 1984, he took out another personal loan for $20,000. And in May, another loan for $15,000. Two more loans for a total of $42,000. So all of these loans in the span of six months. Six months. For a total of $207,000. Holy shit. Now, that was 84. That was an 84. Yeah, I was going to say. Today, that that would be approximately $618,000. Dude. That he's basically gambled away. Yeah. And now owes the casino $3,000 on top of that. Yeah. So he owes all of these people... A shit ton of money. And then all of a sudden, his wife was shot. Oh, we're not even there yet. And their money was stolen. Mm -hmm. Life insurance? So, the investigator, Gladstone, Mm -hmm. finds out a little bit more about Rob. Okay. So not only was he cheating, mind you, this Mm. relationship had been going on for 14 months with his mistress. Poor Maria. And gambling away a shit ton of money. Yeah. Rob had also taken out several life insurance policies on Maria. Yup, yup. I knew that's where we were going. Mm -hmm. I knew it. One, he literally took out the day before they went to Atlantic City for $100,000. Dude, you're so stupid. Isn't he? 
this you're gonna get caught this isn't oh oh no wait wait (laughs) what i'll tell you in a minute okay (laughs) so in total he had taken out eight life insurance policies on maria from eight different companies within a year's time Mm -hmm. for a total of almost 1.5 million dollars Okay. Today, that would be almost four and a half million dollars. That's so crazy. Like, there's nothing fishy about this, right? No. no Why would that be fishy? Not at all. So you know what's going on in his brain over the last year. He's like, oh, it doesn't matter if I take out all these loans and gamble all this money away because when I kill my wife, I'll be rich again. Yeah. Dude. That's that's a sounds like a solid plan. I mean, yeah. I would do it. <laughs> I would not do I would not do that. Guys, don't I would do hope, this. I would hope you would not do that. Guys, don't do this. This is a bad idea if you didn't didn't catch our sarcasm. Yeah, don't do it, please. This is really interesting so far though. Oh yeah. This is my first foray into true crime. Yeah. <laughs> so according to the private investigator. Maria had been advised by friends and family at this point after she found all this out to leave Rob. Oh, she found it all out. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. He told her all of this. He told her? The private investigator that she had hired. Oh. About the cheating and uh, the cheating. I forgot the, that's okay. Yeah. And the more. I forgot that there was a private investigator beforehand. I yeah. thought that this was like after she had been killed, like the police no. investigating. Okay. No, I get this it. This is now. the one that she hired. I forgot about that. Okay. So she found out he was cheating and she found out about the mortgage. Mm-hmm. But friends and family advised her to leave Rob. But she right. wanted to try and make it work. Okay. Did she know about the life insurance policies? That I don't know. I couldn't find anything if she knew about that or not. Okay. I'm assuming she didn't, but because I never saw that it said she did. Right. So apparently things get worse. And she decides, okay, it's time for a divorce. Yeah. Can't do it anymore. So on July 26th, 1984, her attorney had completed divorce papers for her. But the family was leaving the next day for vacation. So she Mm. said, we'll just hold off until we get back. Yeah, we'll wait. We'll wait a minute. Yeah. In August, only a couple weeks before the incident, Maria went into her attorney's office to pay the bill. And that was the last time he saw her. Okay. So after Maria's death, a friend was talking to Rob and was asking questions like about how he owed money, how he was having Mm. an affair, asked if he had life insurance, to which Rob responds, well, I'm an insurance man. So of course I have life insurance on her because that's just I forgot he was an insurance man. Yes. He knew how to finesse the system. But- He originally only had a $100,000 life insurance policy on her. The rest of it was within that year's time before her death. Right. And his friend said, you should probably hire an attorney because all of this is going to make you look very suspicious. And his friend even pointed out, like, you were only hit over the head. Mm -hmm. She was shot. And Rob was like, no, I'm untouchable. Nobody would think it was me. Everybody likes me. It's always the husband. Right? We all know. We all know. 
You're not sneaky, Rob. I just made a sticker that says the husband did it. So it yep. was kind of fitting. <laughs> it, oh, yeah, it is fitting. Yeah. So once the police investigation had enough evidence, Robert Marshall was arrested on December 19th, 1984 for conspiracy to commit murder. Yeah, dude. Yeah. You think you're just going to get away with it? Yeah. I mean, don't get me wrong. Rich white guys get away with a lot of shit. They do. That's true. But murder? I'm sure yeah. they've also gotten away with that. But Oh, I'm sure they have. But the fact that he thought, I'm just, you know, I'm going to just take all these loans out, sign my wife's name, gamble all this money away. Right. And like, just get a life insurance and policy, have her taken out, and just pay off that debt. Like, that's your plan? Yeah, that's casual. That's normal. That seems like, you know, if the police were to look into that, no big deal. It looks totally casual. It looks totally fine. And no, he is dude, a wealthy, stupid. wealthy man, and people respect him, so there's no way they would believe that he No, would, They wouldn't even not. suspect him at all. Dude, first of all, I don't think you're wealthy anymore, dude. <laughs> Apparently not. Apparently not, well, if you keep taking out was. all these loans. Yeah, yep. exactly. Yes. Anyways. So- Rob had hired a hitman to kill his wife. Knew it. So the way this worked was, and I don't have the three names because, like I said, there's so many. I mean, I had the names, but there's so many names. Mm -hmm. The way this worked is he asked one guy who told him about another guy who told him about another guy. So all in all, there were three accomplices involved. Okay. So all these, well, the, were these people all like different hitmen or were they just like friends of his that were looking for a hitman so i don't know how he found the well i'll get to how he found the first guy so he finds the first guy and then okay. the first guy tells him about the second guy well that second guy apparently just like was like yeah sure like leads him on for a while and then comes around to the third guy okay okay he says i'll pay you sixty-five thousand dollars to kill my wife Sixty-five thousand. that's a lot but that's not enough. Well, today for... that's one hundred and ninety-four thousand. Yeah, but yeah. To kill his to kill your wife, kill his wife of over twenty years, who beautiful he Maria refers to as the beautiful Maria. Yes. Yeah, you're sick. So he only paid out twenty-two thousand of that sixty-five thousand. Knew it. During the trial, Rob wore his wedding ring and declared over and over that he was innocent. He would often write on pieces of paper or like the folders that were on the table, I love you, to show his three sons who were sitting in the room. And then he would proclaim how much he loved his beautiful Maria. Of course. He's a sicko. Yeah. The opposing attorney, Kevin Kelly, questioned Rob's undying love for her and said, if you love her so much, why are, why are her ashes still in a cardboard box at the funeral home over a year after her death. He never picked up her ashes. Nope. Didn't pick up her ashes. Still at the funeral home. That's fucked. And also questioned, well, if you loved her so much, why did you have a mistress? Yeah. And why did you have two relationships very quickly after that mistress dumped your ass right after Maria's funeral? Yeah. Hmm. That sounds fishy. But he loved her. He loved her a lot. He loved her so much. Apparently mm -hmm. not as much as he loved gambling. Apparently not. Poor Maria. During the trial, Rob's mistress testified 
that he told her that he wanted to, quote unquote, get rid of his wife. The mistress he was with whenever she was killed. Yes. Okay. Yes. And that once she was gone, her life insurance money would wash away his debts and they could live together. He then asked his mistress if she knew anybody that could take care of it. Dude, you're so stupid. You're not even being discreet at this point. No. She kind of like blew it off, but then ultimately ended up giving him a name. Hmm. So So she's an accomplice in this too. Apparently, but nothing ever came of it. I guess. I don't know. Okay. On March 5th, 1986, Rob was found guilty of first degree murder and sentenced to death. So how did it how did it all happen then? Like he hired someone to meet them. So he he hired Yes, and he specifically said to hit him over the head. They were going to pull into this Oyster Creek picnic area. The guy would pull up behind them or he'd already be there, I should say. Would hit Rob over the head. Specifically not hard enough that it would cause permanent damage. Of course. But so that course. it looked like he was knocked unconscious right then slash the tire and shoot maria in the back and rob specifically said do not shoot her any in any way that would mess up her face because hmm. i guess she was beautiful enough that he didn't want to mess up her face but he didn't love her enough to keep her alive yeah that's really sad yes that's horrible he he was sentenced to death but on August 18th of 2006, he was granted a new sentencing and was given 30 years. Apparently, there was something in the law that made it like he could get a new sentence. Okay. So at this point, he was granted 30 years with the possibility of parole in 2014. Why would you do that? In January of 2015, he was granted a parole hearing that was set for March 18th, 2015. Okay. His two oldest sons, Robbie and Chris, who disowned their father. I'm glad. From the very beginning. Yep. The youngest, John, stood by him the whole time and still believed that he was innocent. Yeah. But Robbie and Chris were adamant that they were going to attend this parole hearing and make sure that he did not make parole. Good. Good for them. Yes. But on February 21st, only 25 days before his parole Mm, hearing, Robert Marshall suffered a stroke and died in prison at the age of 75. Well, I'm glad that he died in prison. Yeah, I'm glad he didn't make parole. I thought, for some reason, I thought you were going to say, like, like he had had the two boys killed. Oh, God. That would be awful. And I was like, oh, my God, that would be horrible. Yes. Thank God, no, that's not it. Yeah, so he's no longer alive. Good. Piece of shit. Rotten hell. Yes. So here's a little fun fact that I found from studying this that I did not know. Okay. This book, Blind Faith, mm-hmm. ended up getting turned into a movie. Oh. Like a made-for-TV movie. Yes. So Robbie Marshall, the oldest, uh-huh. was actually on site during the movie to make sure like everything... <gasps> was going well. Well, that's so good. Yeah. And because of this, he met and married Tracy Gold. Oh. Who, if you don't know, is an actress. I didn't know that, but that's great. Yeah. uh, My my generation will know who Tracy Gold is. (laughs) 
Tracy Gold uh, played on the show Growing Pains in the 80s. It was a sitcom. Okay. So, yep. Well, that's good. I'm glad that uh, that something good yes. came out of that, you know? And they have four boys Aww. together. Yes. Lots of boys in this family. Yes, there certainly is. So, back to the Oyster Creek picnic area. Okay. On October 10th, 1989, witnesses noticed a helicopter spinning out of control. Then a rotor broke off of the craft and crashed to the ground. When was this? October 10th, 1989. My God. Yeah. The helicopter just shot straight down after the rotor fell off. Mm, yeah. And killed all five people on board. Oh, that's yeah. horrible. It really is. So upon inspection, the rotor was found after a quarter mile from the helicopter. Okay. I said that all wrong. The rotor... What did I even say? Upon inspection of the scene, I'm just starting that whole thing over. Okay. The rotor was found a quarter mile away from the helicopter. Okay. The helicopter, like the body of it, was pretty much in shape with just like some pieces broken off. Mm-hmm. Two bodies were found inside and three were found in the surrounding woods. Mm. The five deceased were two pilots from Paramount Aviation. Robert Kent, who was 40, of, I don't know how I'm going to say this right, Ron Concoma, New York. Okay. He left behind his wife, Sue, who said he loved flying and had a passion for helicopters. Oh. And co-pilot, co-pilot Lawrence Denier, who was only 27. Oh. Yeah, of Westbury, New York. He was originally from Maryland and was said that he loved to fish. Oh. I could not find much more about those two. I really tried. Right. The other three that were on board were all executives of Donald Trump's. Interesting. Stephen F. Hyde, who was 43 at the time. He was responsible for Trump's Atlantic City Casino Properties. Okay. He left behind his wife, Donna, and their seven children. Seven children, geez. Seven, yes. Jonathan Benanov, Benanov, who was only 33, he was the vice president of the Trump Plaza Hotel and Casino, and he had hmm. just recently received that promotion. Hmm. And he was a huge sports fan. Right. And Mark G. Et Etes, who was 38, he was the Taj Mahal top executive and he had a huge passion for boxing, and he was actually responsible for coordinating many of the matches that took huh. place on Trump properties. Okay. Including Mike Tyson versus Michael Spinks, which oh. I have no idea who Michael Spinks is, but I'm sure a lot of people know Mike Tyson. Yeah. The arena was en ended up being named after him, so it's the Mark Etes et Arena. Okay. And he also left behind two children. Hmm. So for multiple days this story ran in the newspapers right another casino actually like put an ad in the paper saying um that their their condolences went out to the three trump executives right. flags were flown at half mast for those three like so much coverage was done mm -hmm. it was said that donald trump was filing a lawsuit against the aviation company mm -hmm. just so much coverage Right. And a couple 
of people, I found a couple of um, letters that people had written into newspapers saying that they were sad to see that there was so much coverage on these three executives, but nothing about the pilots. And like everything that was said about the pilots was, and also this pilot and this pilot, like their names and yep. that was it. Like nothing, yeah, like that I had is to go sad. searching to find anything. But I mean, honestly, that happens all the time. Anytime yep. it's some, anytime there's a connection to someone famous. I mean, it's yep. always going to just like overshadow overshadow it you know unfortunately unfortunately yeah unfortunately it it does and I mean had these two pilots died with nobody on board it probably still would have been fairly Mm -hmm. overlooked you know unfortunately but sad no matter what that five people lost their lives and that families lost their husbands brothers friend you know yeah so after investigation it was found that there was a scratch that was less than two inches that caused the rotor to break free and the helicopter to crash. Less than two inches. Yes. That's so crazy that something that small can do something like that. Yeah. Very sad. Yeah. So the picnic area was closed down after these incidents. And as I said earlier, there were 10 total. Hold on. Yeah. The, uh, did the plane crash at the? So it cla- at- it crashed like right at the um the oyster oyster creek. Thank you. <laughs> right at the oyster creek, like where the road, the Golden State Parkway, I guess the exit ramp to Oyster okay. Creek. It was like right there, and like I mean, I saw pictures of it. Traffic was backed up forever. Yeah. yeah. So many, like there was police helicopters and so many police on the ground like they I think only one lane was getting through so it wasn't it wasn't like in the picnic area but the it didn't and I didn't know who was who because it just said two were inside and three were outside in the surrounding wooded area okay I'm assuming those three were the Trump executives because I would think the pilots would have been like in the front but I you know I don't know for sure okay but so the picnic area was closed down. Uh, there was 10 total, as I said earlier. Eight of the other 10 were also closed down. There is only one that remains open today. And oh, wow. A couple were actually closed down due to like terrible mosquito infestations. Huh. And then two of them were closed down because of sex and drug trafficking. Awesome. Yeah. And then a couple more were just like expansions. And stuff like that. But yeah. there's only one that remains open today. So, wow. So that is the Oyster Creek picnic area and the true crime story that got me fascinated and started down this path. Yeah, that was very interesting. Yeah. I've never heard that one before. That was good. It was a very unlucky picnic area. Yeah. 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 Well, thank you, Mom. That was good. But yeah, that's one I've been wanting to, re- wanting to cover. So you're welcome. Yeah, I liked it. Thanks. I always like your episodes. Uh, thanks. Abigail will be up next time Woo-hoo! for us. Just for you guys. And if you would like to support us through Patreon, you can get a free seven-day trial and listen to our bonus episodes and hopefully stick around. Yeah, hopefully stick around a little bit. Hang out uh, with us. You can go to uh, patreon.com slash roadside. You can also follow us on tiktok at roadside podcast yes 
Uh, Instagram is Roadside Pod. And Facebook is Roadside Podcast. You can also email us at Roadside Podcast. Nope. <laughs> nope. Roadside Pod. Yes. At gmail.com. <laughs> Uh, you can go to our website at Roadpie. Road Roadpie. 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 That sounds really gross. It does. <laughs> Roadsidepodcast.com. You should make stickers that say Roadpie. Roadpie stickers. Yeah. And it's just like our like our, our logo picture, but it's in the shape of a pie. Okay. I would I would wear that everywhere. I'd put it on my car, okay. My water bottle, road pie. It, it just says road pie or roadside pod, roadside. <laughs> I don't know. I'll have to work on that. Know. We'll figure it out. We'll figure it out. Um, I have been working on some additional merch, and we're going to be probably moving our merch off of our website and onto another platform. Oh, okay. Just because I'm trying to put all of my Etsy stuff and roadside stuff all together. All right. I'll have more information on that soonish. Yes. Alrighty. So thank you for listening. Thank you all for listening to us ramble about whatever the heck we want to every time. Yeah. Yeah, that's pretty much it. We hope you keep listening. And please share, tell a friend, leave a review, yes. follow us. We love you all. All that. We love you. And keep finding the thrill in the mysterious. Bye. Bye.